So um, we've been married for almost 37 years. My wife's name is Stacy. Uh, we've had six children working on our ninth grandchild. Uh, our fourth daughter is here with uh, her family, with Ryan and uh, their little boy, Conrad, who I guess is in the nursery right now. And uh, so we've we've seen just oh, a lot of a lot of great things. You know, I I, <laughs> I can't encourage the younger uh, parents enough in this regard that all of the hard work that it takes to get through those years is worth it. When you get to the stage that my wife Stacy and I are, are at, um, it's worth it. It's worth all the hard work. Sometimes it seems like it's hopeless, you know, when you're right in the midst of it, when you're right in the battle, when you're in the trenches raising your kids. But now that we have grandchildren, it's amazing. It's totally amazing. So it's worth all the hard work you're putting into it now. And I, I want to encourage each one of you in that stage uh, to keep keep on keeping on. It's it's definitely worth it's definitely worth it. During the time that my wife and I have been raising our children, we've had to depend on the Lord a lot. Uh, there are times when we were on our knees when our when one of our daughters was was veering off the path, and um, and we prayed and we had a lot of people praying for us, uh, and God answered prayer. He is a faithful God, and what we're going to be talking about today is claiming the promises of God. And even in dark times. But I want, what I want to do is I want us to, to be hopeful right from the very beginning. And I'd like to pray a, a, a little prayer, paraphrase a little prayer from the Apostle Paul from the book of Ephesians. So if you would bow with me, I, I'd like to just open up this time in the word and prayer. Father, I pray uh, that we, that you, you would enlighten our hearts and minds the eyes of our heart to understand what is the hope of our calling in Christ, what are the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing power toward us who believe. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I, I really, I really want to focus on the promises of God today, but even in the dark times, God's promises are being fulfilled. So if you, if you, if you want to turn with me uh, to three different portions of scripture. These are all the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. So one of them is Isaiah, and, and look at verse 43, put a bookmark there. One of them, so Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 14, is the first, is the first one. The second one is, is in Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to look at, at a passage there starting in verse 10. And then the last one is Daniel chapter 9, right in the very beginning of Daniel. So today's a great time to talk about the promises of God. And we're going to see this in, in, the, in the life of these three prophets. We hear a lot about the coronavirus these days. I, 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 went, I heard that some people tried to get into Costco uh, a couple weeks ago, and they couldn't hardly even get in there because of all the lines of people buying things. We went to um, Walmart, and all of the shelves of the pain-relieving section were wiped out. I mean, you can just tell 
that people are really concerned right now, and rightfully so, about what's happening. And, you know, we, we were talking about uh, pancreatic cancer. We were talking about advanced leukemia. Um, we were talking about uh, different concerns that we have. And right off the bat, I want to share with you a couple of illustrations. The first one hopefully will stick, and the next one is, is yet to come. But I want you to look at your, your two hands. I want you to look at your left hand. And I want you to see your problems. So, t- so take a good look at your problems right now with your left hand. Take a good look. Put your left hand up. Take a look. Now look at, now look at your right hand. Now this is Jesus. Take a good look at Jesus. We want to take a good look at Jesus this morning. Here's, here's what the world is telling you. Here's, here are your problems. Here's all the pancreatic cancer. Here's all the leukemia. Now, put this hand in front of you and put Jesus back here. Can you see Jesus very well? No? Because your problems are right in front of you. Now, just switch your hands. Now, can you see your problems? No, because you're seeing Jesus. It's right right in front of you. And so what I want to do today is I want to reorient some of our thinking to the promises of God, rather the promises of Jesus Christ, rather than the world, what, what the problems of the world are. So you can either see the world and the problems, or you can see Jesus. Today I want us to see Jesus. It's a great time to talk about the promises of God. Some are hurting financially. Some have just recently lost loved ones. I overheard a conversation last Sunday uh, that someone was talking about a loss in their lives. In their, in their family. And that, and that's so hard. It, it, it takes us to a place of dependence on the Lord. Some of you are, are facing a transition in a, in a job situation. Maybe, maybe your job is, is being sold. Your, the company that you work for is being sold to an, another company and you're losing your, your job. Some are facing the same temptations over and over and over again. And it doesn't seem like there's any end to it. It doesn't seem like maybe you're just maybe you're just hanging on by a thread. You're just getting beat up. You're, you're feeling beat up. You're feeling used up and you're feeling fed up with life. So God's promises are for us today. So one of my favorite and I don't know if I can uh, get this to work um, very well. But let's see. I'm reconnecting. One of my favorite is no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, if you think that these are big people's problems, I was just talking with my oldest granddaughter uh, early this morning and uh, we're staying at our oldest daughter's place and they're they're moving to another house so we're so we're over there helping out but our oldest granddaughter was sharing some things about how she she woke up in the middle of the night and she was feeling very anxious well since they're moving you could you could see that that's working on our little heart but 
I, I thought about this, this promise. Um, be anxious for nothing. Remember that in Philippians 4? Do not be anxious for anything, but with prayer and, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then here's the promise. And the peace of God will, will guard your hearts. The peace that is beyond comprehension will guard your hearts. And, 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 you, and you will be able to get through that time. These are all these promises of God that keep flooding in right now. So here's another one that I like a lot. Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You might be thinking about talking to someone at work and you don't know what to say. Do you know what's interesting? Another promise of God, Jesus even said to his disciples, he said, don't worry about what you will say. Because at the time that you need to say it, the Holy Spirit will give you those words that you need to say. Amen? How many of you relax when you hear that? I do. I don't know what to say. Even right this in this moment, I need to be dependent on the Lord for everything that I say to you. Everything. So then Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, Jesus wants to teach us things through his spirit. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Doesn't that make you relax? So, so now you see Jesus. See, already you're seeing Jesus right in front. And now all of those problems are beginning to sort of like take a second, a, a, a second chair, you know, in, in your life. Another promise of God, especially during times like this, is when we don't know, when things are very uncertain, we hear Jesus saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Doesn't that, doesn't that give you hope? Doesn't that instill in you a desire, an expectation that God is coming? Jesus is coming again. Amen. And as and, and as as we're walking toward that time, we can be encouraged that anything that we have in our lives that are problems, they're all going to take a back seat compared to a perspective on Jesus Christ. But how will all this work out, God? I don't know how all this is going to work out. Well, the Apostle Paul says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I don't I'm not responsible in one sense for that for that completion. Jesus Christ is he is going to make it make us complete as we move toward the day of him of Jesus. So so if you have your Bibles, you're looking now at Isaiah chapter forty three. And uh, that's the first that's the first first prophet we're going to look at. This story is about three men. Basically, the three men are Isaiah, Jeremiah and Daniel. Now, they all basically ministered around the same period, although they were within 200 years of each other. They were in a similar circumstance. Uh, Isaiah was from 740 to 700 B.C. Jeremiah was in about 605 B.C. And Daniel was in about 550 B.C. 
There was a time when the nation of Israel was divided. Now, now Abraham was called out of this place called Ur of the Chaldees, and he was the seed of God's people. God gave to Abraham a promise, and that promise was, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to become a great nation. So the, the nation of Israel actually started with Abraham. Abraham had children. He had many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. Um, he he uh, was given this promise, and that promise flowed through many, many years, through Isaac and Jacob, through Joseph and Joseph in Egypt, and through Moses, who brought the people out of the Egyptian slavery, and through people like Joshua that brought the people of God into the promised land. And then you're aware of, of, of Saul and David and Solomon and all of the great things that took place in the nation of Israel because God had promised Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. But now in this time period that we see, the nation was divided. It was split. Uh, there, was, there were issues that took place. There was taxation issues. And these were very dark days for the people of Israel. Very dark. I, when I was in Liberia recently, uh, and I trained pastors uh, in different countries, mostly in Africa. And um, when I was in Liberia, I was, uh, I was told a story about how the people in Liberia had to flee from the Civil War. And some of them fled to uh, Ivory Coast. And uh, there, was, there was, can you imagine being pushed out of your own home? having to flee your own home, not, not even knowing when you're going to be able to come back. This was the time period that the nation of Israel was in. Now, Isaiah predicted that Babylon would take God's people into captivity. But he also prophesied that God would make a way for his people to return. So, this is what, this is what Isaiah said. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans, in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, <clears throat> nor consider the things of old. Behold, <clears throat> I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So, so Isaiah predicted that the people of Israel would go into captivity. But then he also said, I'm going to make a way for you in the wilderness. You'll, you'll, see, you'll see streams of water in the desert. You'll see a roadway. In the wilderness, I'm going to bring you back from that captivity. God's people were hopelessly held captive in another country <clears throat> who stripped them of their culture <clears throat> and even denied them the freedom to worship God. The people thought, and this is, in, this is really interesting, the people thought that just because they knew God, just because they were God's people, that they could do whatever they wanted and God would just wink at their sin. That, this, is the, this was the mindset of the people of God during that time. But the Holy One 
is not only holy and loving, but he's also just and merciful. And he must act in righteousness. You see, he allowed the captivity. But even in that one act of allowing the captivity, his mercy was shining through to bring them out into a place of abundance, even during their darkest times. There are some of us who are living in dark times right now. We, we talked about this during the, the, the times of prayer. The, the way that you may be feeling about your struggles right now and the way God feels about your darkest times could be a little bit different. We could have different perspectives here. God's ways are higher than our ways and, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So some years ago, and maybe some of us might be able to remember this, some years ago, photography was much different. It, you couldn't just t- take out your phone and snap a picture. And you couldn't have an instantaneous digital picture on your phone. But what would happen is they used to have cameras that would take a picture and then something would come out of that picture, so that camera. Do you remember what that was? Uh, it was a Polaroid, but what did they call it? What, what came out of it? It was a negative. And, and you, you, have you ever seen a negative of, of, of yourself? If you've ever seen a negative of yourself, it doesn't even really look like you. It looks so completely different than who you are, than who you think you are. But when the picture was taken, a negative would come out. But what happened to that negative picture? The negative picture would have to go into a process. And it was a much longer process than just you taking a picture on your phone, which is instantaneous. It was a process that took a long time. And that, and that paper, that negative, would have to go into what they call the dark room. Remember that? And in that dark room, the, the photographer would develop that negative into the positive image that you were looking for. When, when it went through that process in the dark room, you could see the positive image that, that you really wanted to see. And I believe what, what happens in our lives is that each of us from time to time go into that dark room. And the, the problem with the dark room is that we don't know how long we're going to be in there. We don't know how long that positive image is going to take to develop. And so when you're right in the middle of a dark room experience, you say, okay, God, I've had enough. I've had enough of this. I want to get out. But before we can even get out of the dark room, that picture, that paper has to be put into a vat of acid so that the positive image that has been developed on that sheet of paper will be concretely established on that paper. And a lot of times when we go through these dark room experiences, we want to get out. We see the negatives of of our lives. And what do you want to do with a negative? You want to just throw it away. This is a waste of time. I don't even like what's happening right now. Uh, I want to to throw away the negative. But it's in the dark room that the positive image develops that we're looking for. And so many of you might be in this dark room period of time. And, And... and you don't know how long that process is going to take. You may be doubting your faith in God. You know, I, I went through uh, three successive, very difficult pastorates uh, in ministry. And, and at the end of that third pastorate, I lost all my vitality. 
I didn't realize that physically things were happening to me uh, that I needed to see a doctor. I, I still had some man stuff going on in my life. But I went to see a doctor and I, I ended up having some uh, some chemicals that were out of balance in my in my body. And so I had to see a doctor so that I could get some medication. And I just so, so I lost my vitality. I lost my strength. I did not even want uh, to pray anymore. I was relying on the people that that knew me to pray for me because I my faith was spent. And I don't know if some of you have felt that before in the dark room, but I was right there in the dark room. I, I couldn't even focus on prayer. See, I, I was thinking that all my obedience and all my service to God was something that God was going to honor with a, 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 a wonderful life. And I got different things that I was expecting. I was expecting, you know, something a lot different than what I got. And that's what life is like sometimes when you're in the dark room. You feel like your obedience is is almost a waste of time. You, we need to be in, in that place because right there and then the holy, loving, righteous and merciful photographer is developing in us a positive image that, that we are really looking for. But we wouldn't choose uh, to go about it in the way that he does. See, Jesus was taking his good time as the photographer, developing that positive image that I wanted. You may wonder how long this process of development will take, but as you will allow him to do that work, you will never be disappointed. Uh, if you're looking at the scriptures, uh, we're going to turn to Jeremiah, and uh, I have that here up on the screen as well. For thus says now. Let me, before I even read this, let, let me just share with you. Um, this this particular passage has been used. A portion of this passage has been kind of used like a slogan, like a Christian cliche. And you know, sometimes our 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 faith is based upon cliches and Christian slogans. A lot of times, and this is a great promise of God. Uh, but but see, it's it's kind of used like a cliche. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the context uh, of this particular. Uh, passage, and that is, for thus says the Lord, this is Jeremiah, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. See, when this was given, when this promise was given, they were in a dark room already, but now the promise is coming. For I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah said, God said through Jeremiah, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. This promise comes at one of the darkest times of the people of Israel, of the, of the nation of Israel. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into the exile. Isn't it true that the dark room causes us to call on the name of the Lord? And in many other ways, it won't happen. But in the dark room, God knows exactly what he's doing. Jesus will, will form us and he will, he will form his own image in our own lives. It may be difficult to feel what the people in captivity felt and what they must have been thinking. But at least now, 
at this stage of life uh, of, of the captivity, we see the end is coming after 70 years. The end is going to come. You know, that's a lifetime for some people. 70 years. Some people don't even get a chance to live 70 years. That's a whole lifetime that the nation of Israel had to wait until the promise was fulfilled. But God eventually will restore and renew us, and then we will call upon our holy God in revival of heart and a renewal of power, of prayer, and of worship. So it's great to think about the blessing and the peace after the hard time. I would rather think about time, the time after the difficulty, the time after the dark room. I'd rather look at the calm after the storm than be involved in the storm itself. Even during the, the, the long nights, like my, my granddaughter had, at 1.30 in the morning when she woke up. How many of you wake up like in the middle of the night and you have all kinds of things that flood into your heart? Things where they're problems, right? They're problems. And all you can see when you wake up at 1.30 is you can see your problems. That's all you can see. Can't see Jesus because your problems are right there in front of you. You know, there was a, uh, two missionaries named Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 that woke up after midnight. Well, actually, they didn't wake up after midnight. They were, they were praying and they were singing hymns. And around midnight, God sent an earthquake to free them from their bonds and to open up their cell, that they, their dark cell that they were in. But they kept on praising the Lord. And they kept on singing hymns and praying. And God broke open that cell. To praise our Savior all the day long, as the song says, is very unnatural to us. I I don't know about you, but the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. And sometimes I can't relate to that. Because I I see the problems rather than the Lord Jesus. I see the problems rather than the promise of God. Interesting note that when the people were in Babylon, they were right back into the place where their nation actually started. Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. Now the people of God are back in Babylon. They're back in the same general area where they're nation actually started. Now, I'll let you make any conclusions about the people of God and what can happen to us at times, but we'll move on because I want to talk about Daniel. Daniel was one of the captives. And in the first year of his reign, that is Darius, who was a king of Persia, Persia was captured Babylon. So now Daniel is still in that area, having been a captive of Babylon, but now Persia has come in to, to uh, rule over. But in the first year of this, of this king named Darius, of his reign, Daniel said, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem namely 70 years. Now, I know this is history, but but take a look at this. What Jeremiah wrote previously, uh, Daniel now has read. And Daniel now sees that the the captivity is only going to be 70 years. And so Daniel begins to study the scriptures and he begins to realize, hey, this captivity is almost over. 
And what joy would, would rise up in his heart when one day as he studied the book of Jeremiah, he read how the captivity was about to end. Based on how long the captivity had already lasted, the end of the captivity was near. Amen? It would soon be time to go home. It would soon be time to go home to worship the Redeemer back in Jerusalem, the Holy One of Israel. It was time to worship Him in freedom. So, But the reason why he was familiar with the promises of God is because he was studying the Word of God. That's so important for us. How are we going to know the promises of God unless we're giving ourselves to God's word and understanding what those promises really are? So Daniel knew the captivity was ending. Now we know today that we are going home when Jesus returns for his church. Amen? Amen? And so we get, we get encouraged because we see in God's word more and more signs that he's coming, that, it, that his time to, to come back is, is near. And as we wait for his return to bring us to a place he is preparing, our greatest joy as we wait is found in serving him, is found in praying, is found in worshiping him, even during the dark times that we're experiencing today. In the biblical story some 2,600 years ago, God brought his people back to their home in Jerusalem after those 70 years of captivity, because God fulfills his promises. God fulfills every one of his promises. So at this point, let me ask, if, you, if you've been living in a kind of a dark room of your own, I want to encourage you that God is shaping you to, to develop that positive image that, that you really are looking for. He may be taking a long time to do his work, but let me encourage you to yield to his plan during this time of testing and temptation. It's something that Larry might need to hear. To, to yield to the plan of God during this time of testing and temptation. So I would encourage you after the service, and we're going to begin to wrap up, but after the service, I want you to grab somebody and, 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 and share with them something that is going on in your life that, and they can pray for you about. Why not? That's why we're here together as a community of believers, to uplift each other. Because I want to tell you that today God is doing a great work in your life. He is bringing light into your situation. He's developing that positive image of Jesus Christ in your own life right now as you wait for him to return. You may realize for the first time that that, you know, God's promises, honestly, there's for every one of your, for every one of your failures, for every one of your, every part of your brokenness that you're experiencing right now, for every challenge that you're experiencing right now, God has a promise for you, for you to take in, for you to, to ingest into your own spirit. Now, you might be hearing this for the first time and realizing, you know what? You know, I'm not sure if I've ever really embraced the promise of God for eternal life. His life-giving spirit is, he's waiting for you to receive that, to create in you a whole new person, to create in you a new creature in Christ. And for, for those of you who have never heard, I have a promise for you today. But to all who receive him, 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you know God does his best work in the dark room? I want to share with you just uh, a few points as I close. You know he's coming back soon, right? Jesus is coming back soon. And, and, and now he's, he's calling us to finish well, to finish strong, to, to not focus on the problems in the dark room, but to focus on Jesus Christ and to move toward that, that glorious return of Jesus, that blessed hope that we have, that hope that we prayed about earlier today. But I think it would be important for us to look at four different points here. Um, and I, I hope that this is going to stick as well. Admit to God a pressing need for you or for your loved one. Just think about that. You know, the first thing that we need to do in any kind of development in our life is to admit that we need something other than ourselves. We need God. As we have God in our lives, we need him. So if we admit to him a need that we have, then I believe that's the first step that we can take. The the next step, B, is to be quiet. Be still, the Lord said, the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. So admit to God a pressing need that you have. Think about that. What, what, is, what is a pressing need that you have right now in your life? Open your heart and just ask the Lord, really, if I want to be true to myself and true to you, God, what is, what is a need that I have right now? And now be still. And now be still and listen. Listen to what God is saying. And see, claim a specific promise. Maybe it's a promise that we've already talked about today, uh, that God will complete you, that he will bring uh, completion to you, that, that uh, everything that, that, he, that he's doing in, his, in your life right now has a purpose. So claim a specific promise in God's word that meets that need. And then D, declare trust in him. And like Paul and Silas in their jail cell in Philippi, begin to praise the Lord and begin to pray. Even though you don't see the end of that dark room experience just yet, pray and express a confidence in God that he is going to fulfill his promises that he has made. And then just praise him. Trust him and praise him in the midst of your dark time. So today, whether you're in a dark time or a time of peace and safety, just could we take this time as we close, as Randy comes up, as we close and just express our worship to the Lord and just focus now on the Lord Jesus as we close. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity that we have to focus on your promises today. We realize that in many ways, we look at our problems first before we look at the Lord Jesus. But today, as we've looked at the Lord Jesus in our life, I just want to thank you, Lord, that I, I can, we can express a confidence in you and that we can praise you even in the midst of whatever circumstances we're currently facing right now. So, Lord, help us to, to, just, to just focus on the Lord Jesus as we, as we sing some of these last songs. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.